0: Yesterday, San Francisco Mayor London Breed endorsed the recall of three progressive members of her city school board. She said, parents are fed up that they've lost confidence in the board and are leaving the district because of how far their children have fallen behind during the pandemic. Well, this frustration with local school boards is happening across the country and it's affecting elections. Just look at what happened in Virginia. It was one big reason why former Virginia Governor Terry McAuliffe lost to Republican Glenn Youngkin. So why is Pandemic Fury focused on school boards right now? We're gonna talk about that now with Natalia Melman Petrozella. She has written a book on this subject. It's called Classroom Wars, Language, Sex, and the Making of Modern Political Culture. Hi. Hi, nice to be here. Well, great to have you. First, can you weigh in on what's happening on the San Francisco School Board? Because it's not just what the mayor cited in terms of parental frustration. There were were also these actions the school board took that got a lot of attention, like uh, stripping the names of historical figures like George Washington and Abraham Lincoln from some schools because they said they were linked to oppression or historical racism and that got a lot of blowback so can you talk about what's happening right now with the san francisco school board
1: yeah, I think you know one of the things that's notable about what's happening in San Francisco is that London Breed is using this language of parental frustration from the left or in an intra-left fight, right? And one of the things that we've seen in the national press is like, oh, this language of parental frustration is just kind of right-wing parents that are part of that, but I think that her invoking that and the very real frustrations of San Francisco parents show that parental anger and kind of lack of confidence in what's gone on in public schools for the last 18 months is real. And it's not just some ideological project of the right. And I mean, as you say, I think that like, there's this stew of things that is coming together in San Francisco and more broadly in San Francisco, you know, really, really long school closures there. The renaming of schools, I think some people just looking at the face of it would be like, oh, well, that was a rejection of so called wokeness or sort of excess progressivism. But what I see as a historian is one that, you know, the school board didn't consult expert historians on that and there was some sort of questionable history that went into that process not to mention spending time and energy renaming schools that were empty and so because they were closed for so long and so uh, to me like at least those two issues kind of come together in this stew that creates the kind of rage um, in San Francisco that is causing this recall but I think that kind of frustration looks different in every place but we're seeing versions of it playing out across the country and school issues really being center stage.
0: And one issue that people talk about, and I just want to get your take on this, because I don't know if this is just something that is blown out of proportion on Fox News or if it is really a thing, given what we just talked about in terms of renaming the schools, is this idea of critical race theory being taught in the schools. That's a complicated topic, critical race theory, and I don't think it's being talked about in any sophisticated way in mainstream media in general, but to what extent are parents reacting to that idea?
1: Yeah, well, um, you know, I agree with the lack of sophistication around this issue. I think what's happened is that the right has been very successful and skillful in packaging a whole set of educational issues under this thing that they've presented as a very scary, right? Critical race theory is this thing where pointy-headed professors are teaching white kids to hate themselves and like sowing kind of racial discontentment in this country. And under that, they've grouped all sorts of things, whether it's history that puts slavery at the center of the story, where by the way, I think it should be just for like accuracy purposes, but they've grouped into that all kinds of, like trainings and affinity group things and school renamings and like it's come they've done a really good job at making that be a stand-in for a lot of things now I don't think that most schools in this country are indoctrinating children with this kind of racial separatist ideology or that teachers are intent on making white children feel guilty about the past I absolutely do not think that that is happening What I do think, though, is that in the last 18 months, we have definitely seen a curricular shift happen around issues of racial justice, um, structural inequality, etc. And I think that parents have been more aware of those in part because their kids have been learning from home. And I think that when you see people on the left kind of like turn their nose up in the air and be like, what are you talking about? CRT is only taught in college. Nothing's changed. You're a racist or you're just imagining things. They actually are doing themselves a disservice and doing education a disservice because they're denying the fact that changes are happening in schools around curriculum and around these issues and it might not be a law school CRT curriculum but it is different and that merits you know explanation and understanding like any curricular change and so I think that you've got this deliberate effort on the right to make CRT seem scary and like it's taking over classrooms but then you have on the left I think a really ham-fisted way of dealing with that of kind of like denying anything's changing and that's just not true and so I think uh, the left could do a lot better on uh, on reacting to that and taking the on. Right. That's quite honestly. Right.
0: And not to mention the fact that, well, we did mention at the beginning, but just the fact that classrooms were closed for so long was really yes. stressful for so, a lot of parents and has totally. put them in a sour mood. I'm just wondering if they had open classrooms earlier, do you think we would not
1: be having these discussions? Oh, I absolutely think that the longer the classrooms were closed, the more kind of simmering discontent and resentment there has been. And I think that one of the reasons you're seeing like parental rights rear its head over education is because for all this time, parents were sort of told, here, go educate your kids, figure it out. We're not doing it, you know, like schools are closed. And then now that we're at a moment where parents are being told, Rightly or wrongly, you don't have a say over curriculum. I think that that's a particular kind of like 180 around the expectations of parents that are rubbing a lot of folks the wrong way.
0: So looking at this in a political context, do you see this as Mm -hmm. just gaining more political traction as the midterms approach?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, look, the Republicans definitely have reason to believe that what they're doing is working and that it's a legible set of threats to, you know, a significant contingent of voters. And now we can use that to continue to discredit public education, which has been for a very long time the agenda of the Republican Party, more privatization, charters, etc. I don't see why they wouldn't continue down that road. And one thing that I think is really interesting that is also relevant to San Francisco is that, you know, in the Trump years... A kind of key plank of conservative educational activism kind of fell away. And that was an emphasis on rigor. Like for many decades, part of like the conservative approach or response to progressive education was like, we are the party of academic rigor. We want the three R's. All of these like softy progressives are, you know, not teaching your kids like the facts and real academics. During the Trump years, because Trump was like so aggressively anti-intellectual, they had no legs to stand on with that. So we heard almost none of that. But now you see conservatives, I think, very intelligently saying like, huh, we're pro gifted and talented here in New York. In California, we're against detracking because we believe all kids should have access to an intellectually rigorous curriculum. And, you know, whatever you think about those issues, I think that that stands to attract a lot of, you know, more center of the road voters, not like anti-CRT culture warriors who think that schools should offer that kind of differentiated curriculum. So yeah, I think that um, this is definitely going to stay in politics. And right now, the Republicans have the upper hand in. this regard. And it's up to Democrats to kind of turn it around and with all urgency, make schools places that people have trust in and kind of institutions that people want to invest in and pay taxes in and most importantly, send their children to.
0: Yeah. Is that an uphill battle for Democrats to win this back?
1: Well, right now it is in the immediate situation because there is this like really acute memory of closures. And schools, and particularly blue areas, are not completely back to normal. Like right now, obviously, the issue is around masking and quarantining and all that. But, you know, I don't think I'm a historian, so I know this long history, but you don't have to have such a long memory to realize that For most of recent history, Democrats have been on the side of like funding public education, like, you know, social programs, after school programs, like investing in these institutions to make them kind of more inclusive and equitable places. I would like to think that counts for something. I think one of the reasons that a lot of people in cities like San Francisco were so sort of like gut punched by what was happening in education is it seemed that the party that has long been on the side of valuing uh, public education education, all of a sudden was like, yeah, literally, education isn't essential. Yeah, learning loss doesn't really matter. And that is really wild and I think sort of crazy for the party that for so long had been really the defenders of public ed is crucial to a functioning and thriving society. So, you know, I think it's totally conceivable that Democrats can revitalize that tradition, which I do think has been core to their party um, and their platform for a long time. But right now, um, it's tough.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on and putting this into context.
1: Yeah, thank you so
0: much for having me. Well, that's my pleasure. That's Natalia Melman Petrozella. She's a historian at the New School in New York and author of the book, Classroom Wars, Language, Sex, and the Making of Modern Political Culture.